welcome to the Sycamore Tree, where we read scripture and community to get a new perspective and see the world through our neighbor's eyes. I'm Reverend Katie Collins. You can call me Pastor Katie. And in this season of the podcast, we will be learning from one another about praying body, mind, and soul. And today we have some very special guests, Reverend Christine Kaplunas, who's coming to us from Iowa. Say hello, Christine. Hi, Katie. Hi, friends. <laughs> and we have Reverend Rose McCurdy coming to us from Wisconsin. Hello, ladies. I miss your faces. <laughs> I miss you all. These are some of my friends that uh, in ministry, we've been uh, friends for quite a long time, back from in seminary days. And I asked them to help us out today because I thought it would be fun. So we're going to start off with our favorite little game, Show Me Your Roots, where each of us answers some questions so our listeners can get to know us better. Uh, are you guys ready? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think, Christine, you're going first. So, okay. Christine, do you have a favorite fruit? I do. I do. Um, so this is going to be totally nerdy. You're just going to laugh at me, and that's okay. Uh, I really do like grapes. Because I like wine, but I also, um, I remember growing up in uh, in North Texas where we had grapevines growing over a trellis in our backyard. And I would just pick grapes off the trellis um, as, as a little kid. Uh, that was just the most wonderful gift of the earth was like uh, how somehow you could train nature to just um, be right there at mouth level and uh, just deliver the sweet pungent taste and smell right in your own space. So I really do have wonderful memories of grapes. Wow. That's cool. I have never wanted a grape so much <laughs> from that description. That was beautiful. And that was my next question as, have you ever eaten fruit off the vine or picked from a tree? Mm -hmm. And so you already answered that. Yes, you have. I've already answered that. Yeah. Um, the next question, uh, do you have a favorite teacher from grade school? I do. Um, and, and I'm going to go with my 10th grade chemistry teacher because clearly chemistry is definitely my field, not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so her name is Rosemary Plasek. I, I have had no contact with her since high school, but at the same time, she was such a dear teacher to me um, for the rest of high school after 10th grade. You know, I remember she wrote letters of recommendation for me to music school and mm -hmm. um, she was just always this wonderful cheerleader for all of her students. And she made chemistry fun. Like I still remember the huge goes into the vent and, and like I remember things about chemistry that I really, as a, as a classically trained musician and a minister of Rune Sacrament, there is no reason on earth why I should remember things from 10th grade chemistry, but I do because of, of Mrs. Plasek. So, yes. Oh, that's, that's great. Beautiful. Have you been to any of your class reunions or do you stay in touch with any of your classmates? Oh, that's a good question. I'm coming up soon on my uh, 20th high school reunion. I've never been to any of them. I've never been to any from college or seminary or anything. That's what happens when you move to Iowa. You suddenly become disconnected. But thankfully, uh, because of social media and uh, Zoom, such as here, we get to have uh, reunions with at least our, our friends who will join us on, on podcasts and on Zoom. So thank you, Katie, for making this a, a tiny little reunion. 
I had to laugh when I was putting this together to be with you all because I wrote these questions several uh, weeks ago and here I didn't look at them before I asked you all and here it was all together it was like the movement of the spirit said oh you want to ask that question I'm gonna bring a reunion to you so. yay <laughs> so Rose yes do you have a favorite fruit I do I do so my favorite fruit is mangoes mm, mm. mangoes yeah I think um I think because I never had them as a child like it was not it was an exotic fruit. Yeah, me too. Me too. There was something like foreign and exotic and beautiful about mangoes. And um, and it really wasn't until, I'm going to answer your second question here too, but it really wasn't until um, I took a educational trip to Chichen Itza, Mexico, um, as a student in middle school. And I had a fresh mango on the street, mm. right? Like just from like a street vendor. And wow. it had been cut open, like he cut it open, took the pit out, just like, or, or however they, however he did it. But we, I just like bit into this mango, like straight on the mm. street. And I was like, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> There's not a better, like, I will never have another fruit I think that I love as much as this because it was like it was like cold it was the middle of like this hot extraordinary like close to the equator like foreign place and I was just this like middle schooler with all these high school students on this Spanish trip to these ruins and this I had I'd had mango I thought I'd had a mango before um, I was, I was woefully corrected by that bite. And so it was like, I, I mean, I think that guy probably picked it straight from the tree that morning. Like, oh, it's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Did you have a favorite teacher from grade school? Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. So I have, I have like my high school theater teacher and I think like every theater kid, like, loves their high school theater teacher but I was a <laughs> and so I, my high school tech theater teacher specifically but I I like the Miss Morrison from fourth grade has like come up for me several times so I've been thinking about this and I think it's because we moved at that time and I was a brand new student and they formed this class of all students that had just moved into the district I think like they had to build this new fourth grade class. There was that many of us. And Miss Morrison was new to the district. And so we had this like class of students that also didn't know anyone else. And we were like our own weird clique with our own weird teacher. Like our room wasn't even on the fourth grade hall. Like, <laughs> and I think there's something about like the, you know, us, my husband and I just having moved and, um, transitioning into a new like moving period of life and my daughter starting school and thinking about all those things that I'm like the the tenderness it would take to care for a entire class of brand new students to the area and like no one was from Texas in that class so we were all like new to Texasness as well <laughs> so yeah, I think that I think that Miss Miss Morrison has like been jumping off my heart the last few days. 
So have you ever reconnected with them or um, more specifically, have you been to any class reunions? I went to my 10 year high school reunion um, and I have not, I, there's kind of a group of us from college that still are very connected, but it's not like, um, it's not a formal reunion. Right. So like I I don't have any I'm not I'm still I'm not friends per se with anyone from high school still. But like my more long term connections are a couple of people from college and way more people from seminary than I ever would have expected. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like the further I got in the educational system, the more I was like meeting more my my soul people instead of just mm -hmm. like my situational people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Very well said. All right. Do one of you want to ask me the questions? Oh, yeah. I'll ask you. Go. Great. Do you Thank you. Rose. You go. Okay. Okay. All right, Katie. We need to know what is your favorite fruit? Well, this is a complicated question for me because as I, I was sharing with Christine before we started recording that I recently found out that I'm allergic to strawberries um, and probably have been forever. Um, but so there's this uh, strange feeling about strawberries because I love mm. strawberries. Mm -hmm. And actually it ties into that a lot of fruits uh, are connected to strawberries. So if you have a strawberry allergy, you are probably allergic to peaches and apples and many other fruits. So I never really know is my attraction to the peach, how wonderful and beautifully smelling the peach is and how juicy it really is? Or is it the fact that there's like this um, like of the tingliness? Because peaches mm. kind of make my tongue tingle too. So there's this irony of I love all these fruits, which also kind of hurt me. Um, but uh, so it's, it's a complicated <laughs> relationship. It's but so complicated. It is to forbidden fruits, my dear. So many. And I, uh, so uh, fruit in general. So I kind of try and stick with grapes uh, a mm -hmm. lot and watermelon. But uh, oh, sometimes yeah. watermelon isn't, I'm not quite sure about it. So you got to get the right watermelon. That oh, is yeah. true. Oh, yeah. But I always thought that was true of strawberries too. Mm -hmm. But I found out that it was really because I was allergic to them. So favorite teacher in grade school and why they're your favorite teacher? Mrs. Taylor. Um, actually, there were several Mrs. Taylors, but the Mrs. Taylor that I'm speaking about was my kindergarten assistant teacher. Um, I didn't sit very still uh, during the day um, and especially not at nap time. So oh, she would play the, uh, the soundtrack from the Sound of Music record that they had. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that she just played it because that, you know, she enjoyed the music and, um, you know, they had a couple records there. So, of course, that's what she played. But I think now specifically that she played it because I would sit still and listen to it. <laughs> so um, that's how I know most of the songs from The Sound of Music, that they were very calming. Um, and I listened to them throughout nap time. Hmm. Mm. That and I thought true. that she let me lay next to her because then I could lay next to the record player 
Um, but I'm pretty sure it was so that I didn't disturb any of the other kids. Um, you've been an, you've been a disruptor your whole life, haven't you, Katie? Thank you, Christine. Yes, I have. <laughs> Disrupting the status quo, giving a challenge to the authorities. And no, that's um, what I, I tell myself when my little um, two-year-old uh, disrupts things and throws mm -hmm. a fit. I say, you just keep that fight. You just, mm -hmm. you just keep that inside. You hold and you that fight fighting. and just wait till you move away from home. <laughs> Have you been to any of your class reunions or do you just keep in touch by Facebook like many of us do? Yes, Facebook is the key. I love Facebook so much for the ways that, I mean, there are people from elementary school that I didn't really even know that well in high school because as we like went from elementary school to junior high, then to high school, we grew apart. But I know more about their families and their children now because of Facebook. And yeah. several yeah. of us were pregnant all at the same time. Uh, and, uh, and for them, some of them, it was for this like baby they were having later in life after their three or four children they had in their twenties, but, uh, it's just been something that's been connecting us. And I haven't even, you know, really been in their physical presence, maybe even 20 years, but we followed each other's pregnancies. So there's a certain sisterhood. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. And uh, then there's the two of you. Uh, I would say that I've kept in contact with the two of you most uh, in seminary. Uh, and the strangeness of um, Scott Hill uh, was another one of our classmates. And yep. he is now the chaplain at our one of our local hospitals. And mm -hmm. he was uh, in our church a few weeks ago to do an interview to share about what it was like or is still like um, being a chaplain to COVID patients and uh, nurses and doctors that are serving COVID patients and going through this whole pandemic. And it was wonderful. And it was so much, it, it has been so much fun reconnecting with him because he's just mm -hmm. a fun person. Delight. Yeah. yeah. I think that concludes our questions. Rose, would you like to start us off in prayer? Sure. Sure. Let us pray together, dear ones. Most holy and gracious one, we come before you across time and space and technology, knowing that none of those things are barriers to the love and bond that you put between us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word today. We ask that you would illumine the scriptures with the power of your wisdom that you would ignite a fire within us to hear the words that you have to offer and that you would give us the courage to step into the grace and the offerings that you call us into from this passage today. We pray this in your holy and divine name. Amen. 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 Next, we will read scripture using a practice called Lexio Divina. In this type of reading, we read the scripture as a prayer. We will listen for words which jump out at us or speak to us or whole phrases. And part of this is the process of coming to know the scriptures as more than just words on a page, but as the living word of God, listening for something new in the scriptures each time that we read them and actually expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to us directly. 
So first we will listen to the scripture and then speak one word at a time that uh, that jumps out at us or speaks to us. Then we'll listen for whole phrases that we'll share together. And finally, after the third time we read the scripture, we'll share questions or thoughts that we have that uh, will help the scripture speak to our lives. And so today we're going to be learning about prayer from John 15, um, verses 1 through 13. So Christine, would you read for us the scripture for the first time? Yes. This is from the Gospel of John in chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. Let us listen now to God's word to us. Jesus says, I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do, it can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. He continues, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Whoever does not remain in me is thrown out like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire where they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit. And in this way, you become my disciples. I love you just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, Jesus says, so that you may have joy, so joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love one another just as I love you. The greatest love a person can have for his friends is to give his life for them. Here ends the reading of scripture. Remain. Teaching. Bear. Withers. Friends. <laughs> Pruned. Or this word wasn't actually said, but I thought of the word break. Mm -hmm. Glory. Obey. Love. Rose, would you read the next translation then? Sure. Um, Dear ones, this translation that I am reading from is the ESV, the English Standard Version, um, and I'm reading John 15, verses 1 through 13. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to you today. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, 
that, there, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and whoever in whoever abides in me, I in him. And he is that he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me you cannot do you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. But the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as you have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now we'll share whole phrases that hold meaning, but I also heard different words that held meaning uh, in this mm-hmm. translation, like vine dresser. Mm-hmm. Abide in the vine. Will be taken away. So that your joy may be complete or full that you bear much proof abide in my love prove to be my disciples the branch cannot bear fruit by itself no one has greater love than this shall we move on Mm -hmm. yes okay As we read the scripture for the third time, we'll listen for questions we have or pieces of the scripture that hit us strongly for our lives. So again, we have John chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. This is the NRSV. Here we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes each branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the thing um, that you're trying, I had to come look it up and I had to go find it in my recipe. Um, mine says uh, in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And it didn't strike me the way that yours did, that he removes every branch from me that bears no fruits. And so I think the question that came up for me is what branches in this season of my life are being removed in order that I can continue to bear fruit? Yeah, it struck me this time when it talked about your joy be made complete, because as we were reading this over and over, I was thinking about all of the grief in my life of people being taken away or things being removed or not happening. And yet Christ talks about us getting this joy in replace of that loss. You know, one of the things that my family's done since we, um, since we started with the pandemic, I guess, not that we knew it would go the way it has, but I just could stand not doing stuff. So, so we turned our, front lawn into a garden which we live on a quarter acre so that's that's a pretty substantial piece of land for a couple of uh, musicians who don't know what we're doing and um, we've started growing a lot of edible things um, particularly our friend uh, our friend pastor joe gave us some strawberry plants before he moved and um, another friend of my husband's uh, rj gave us some raspberry plants and so we're now far enough along in the pandemic that we're having to choose how to prune and where and when, and what is the reasoning behind whether or not to prune. And since uh, we're both intellectuals married to each other, we have to make a logical reason for everything to explain to the other, why am I doing this? Because oftentimes what I want to prune, he wants to keep and what he wants to prune, I want to keep. And we have our different reasons. So thinking about what, uh, what should be pruned or what is eligible for pruning is not just a branch that doesn't bear fruit. Um, we've had wonderful raspberries this year and there are quite a few branches that don't bear fruit. And yet um, there are branches that are just heavy with fruit. Um, so when, when I prune things, it's usually because they're already dead um, it's wow. because they've turned brown and they have withered and uh, they still cling, uh, perhaps because there's not a strong enough windstorm to blow it off yet. Um, on the other hand, I won't prune any branch, no matter how dead it is, if there's a an orb weaving spider on it. We have a lot of orb weavers um, and they eat a lot of the local insects that we don't really like to have. 
um, including Japanese beetles, or at least the Japanese beetles have stayed off since we got our, our orb weavers on there. And so, um, you know, ironically, the function and purpose of a branch ends up being more complicated than just, uh, you know, something that I can logically handle uh, during manual labor uh, without any input from my husband. So we end up we end up having to sort of weigh the pros and cons of when to cut something. So um, knowing, that, as you know, I've been in a seminar already this morning with the, the Presbyterian Foundation about mission and church buildings. And so thinking about how to define mission, it's, it's not so easy. It's not, it's not something that doesn't require thought. It's not something that we all just instinctively know. It's something that we need to discern together. And so that discernment together um, is often very emotionally driven. And, um, and I think this passage of scripture, especially with the imagery of burning or burning, being burned up or fire um, ends up being very emotional or can, can provoke a lot of emotions. Um, and yet what, what do you do when something is dead? It, it can, in, in the case of a branch of a raspberry plant perhaps, or a, a grapevine, it can and should be burned. Um, in, in, in essence, the fire is not something that's just destructive, it's something that's creative. It creates the new um, fertile soil for the rest of the plant, for other plants. Um, everything that you put out there goes into the ground, whether that's, you know, a piece of rusted metal that somebody left there years ago, or whether it's, you know, compost from your kitchen scraps that you add intentionally. So the idea of uh, the vine dresser, the vine grower, the vintner, however you end up translating this role of the father, there's so much, uh, you know, in my opinion, as a gardener, there's so much thought that goes into um, when it's time to move on. Um, you can't sit there forever because one branch didn't make it. Um, it might be a central branch. It might affect the whole. And yet um, there's always new creation in the ground. Um, my son likes to call himself the professor of decomposition because he's in charge of our compost. <laughs> I mean, he's eight years old and he has a, a father who is a, is a conductor. So uh, he's our professor of decomposition and he makes sure everything rots sufficiently and then he pokes it. To get it to get it to aerate, and then he waters it, um, mm. somewhat out of fascination, somewhat out of cultivation. Um, but he keeps reminding me, "It's okay, Mama. It's okay when something dies because we put it in the compost, it decomposes, and then it creates the soil for the next plants." Mm -hmm. uh, and so the new life of my eight-year-old professor of decomposition has been, "It's okay, Mama. It's okay to let things go mm. because it's." it's never really gone. It just becomes even better. Mm. Um, and sometimes letting go is the best thing. So you can take that as advice from a, an eight year old, uh, if that's what you're looking for today. Yeah. I'm really struck by that. I, I it had never occurred to me that you might prune off something that had, uh, was bearing good fruit mm. until you said that, mm -hmm. right. That like, even if it was a source of bearing good fruit, it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be pruned. Mm -hmm. and that it, it's not served its purpose. And I think sometimes we hold on to things because they have served their purpose or they have mm -hmm. been a good fruit in their season. But it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that good fruit is not tenderly chosen to be 
removed at this time in order that more growth can happen and more beauty can happen and a larger, I mean, it had just never struck me that like good fruit also gets pruned. It does. And those seeds, as Jesus said in, in, a, in a different example, in a different gospel, I think, you know, the seed, uh, you know, the, the fruit has to die and the seed has to be released into the ground in order for it to be uh, in the right place to create new life, um, which is, you know, in, in his way of, of speaking of, the, of his coming crucifixion and resurrection uh, in a wonderfully agrarian society. Um, but, you know, just like uh, the end of the season comes and it's been unseasonably warm in the Midwest. I don't know about Rose and moving, but it got up to 80 degrees here just a couple days ago. And I think this time last year it was snowing. Yeah, it was. So, <laughs> it's I think we had a decent snowstorm. <laughs> so, so my plants, like my tomato plants are bearing a lot of fruit right now. And still uh, my lilac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still, it's still, yeah, we still got tomatoes on the vine. They're still turning red. And my lilacs are trying to come back to life. And they're so confused about the season. Um, and yet I know, and the trees know, and somewhere inside our DNA, we know that winter's coming. It really will come. Even if it feels like we've been put on this artificial life support that might be climate change, or it might just be one season of unseasonable weather. Um, but winter still comes and the trees still change their leaves and they're still dropping their leaves. And despite the temperatures, um, you can still feel that winter setting in. And even those good branches that bear fruit will die. Um, the, the roots themselves will be alive. Um, and some of that life will continue through the branches, but it will probably like most winters in Iowa get to at least negative 40. So um, amazingly uh, life has adapted and solved a lot of problems uh um, you know we have turtles and frogs that managed to uh swim down to the bottom of our lakes and ponds and then as everything freezes over they slow their heart rates to almost nothing and they survive for six months like that until the iowa winter thaws and we start to have uh, sunshine again so life is extremely resilient and humans are a great example of that and yet things still die right. uh, there's still a cycle um, I think one of my, one of my hopes when I die, you know, for my physical body to become the ashes of, of a garden, uh, like a flower garden mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, be part of that cycle of, of composition and decomposition as my son likes to say. Mm -hmm. and, and on the other hand, um, spiritually speaking, I hope that, um, there's a seed that's planted that God can create and bear a greater fruit out of I can't stop death um, it'd be foolish to try and yet it's not just me as a person with a body but also a church with a congregation or a community with things that we struggle to let go um, things that we will fight for because it feels like we're dying when really we're being pruned mm. It's really interesting for me right now. Um, you know, I think you that you all know that um, your viewers don't know, but that that my mother was just um, in a position of being on artificial life support um, and and removed from that life support, and and we believed that she was going to die. And through some process, she has experienced resurrection, 
in one way or another. And I mean, I think in a lot of ways, this passage is about resurrection and finding a new life. But the lesson that has continued to come out of that for us is that no one who resurrects in scripture, so even Lazarus, right, or others, Jesus specifically, no one who resurrects comes back the same. And it doesn't mean that that process wasn't difficult, right? You still had to die. There still had to be pain. There still was another sense. And so, um, you know, Jesus doesn't come back in the role at all that he had served prior to resurrection. And if we are going, if, 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 that is the spiritual path that we're shown. Um, you know, Lazarus's role changes in the community and with his sisters and, and even in the story, he kind of just stops existing, right? And that, that we don't know what else he goes on to do and to do the things. Like his role changed. And so just because it looked like uh, raspberries before, in the, mm-hmm. in the process of death and resurrection, it may never look like raspberries again. And, and acknowledging that whatever that be, right? The process of the church, the process of our lives, the process of losing an addiction and finding, you know, killing off one part of your personality or letting go of things or pruning out seasons or people or situations from your life. Um, those things never come back the same. They, they can't. They can't come back the same. And I think that for me, the message in this time um, and in this season in my life, both with my mother and the, the, the transitions in, in my husband's and my calls are, you know, that like it, it's, it doesn't have to look the same. I want it like the human part of me wants the thing to be the same, right? I'm, I'm comfortable with the raspberries. I understand the raspberries, like the raspberries can do what they, you know, I know what they look like. I know how to prune them. The recipes for all the raspberry desserts <laughs> in your, in your kitchen. Right. Um, but they need to go. But then you said this about like the lilacs are confused and I feel like, like about the season, and that's so interesting to me because like, I feel like so often I know the season has changed, but I just am begging for it to be spring and that is going to be the most detrimental thing to me long-term. Fighting mm. for spring. In the Don't I know it. Spring it just doesn't come fast enough. Right. So those were my thoughts that this brought up. Rose, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that your your mom is experiencing a, a sudden and uh, sounds like a, a, a resurrection that allows for some more time with her beloved family here. And so I'm grateful for that resurrection and for, um, you know, all of the resurrection that Jesus promises in those times of challenge. We're also navigating just normal things in our life. Maybe it it's not it's not even like 
Well, I, I'll downplay grapes because I'm sorry. I feel like grapes are like the most ordinary fruit ever, but that's probably just because we had a lot of grapes around and grapes, if you, you know, get the cheap grapes, you know, they can be pretty cheap, but um, like, it feels like, a, like, a, not like a raspberry, just like ordinary grapes. Like we, mm-hmm. it's like they're missing in our lives or like mm-hmm. they, uh, we find ourselves having to choose to about pruning these things that we we don't really know what to do with and I don't know how you prune when you don't have the vision of what is going to happen the next season Uh, yes like is the is it going to continue a drought in northeast Iowa Uh, because we've been in a severe drought now for months Uh, are we going to have a feast or a famine next year what should I buy what should I prepare should I even put tulips in the ground Um, things that you you like to think well I can I can water them from my hose it will have municipal water Um, but it's if you don't know the future and I should say when when (laughs) you don't know the future um, and it's such a precarious time as a pandemic um, in which you hardly know you, if you can schedule a session retreat for a few weeks from now, much less a confirmation class to finish up by, uh, by Palm Sunday. So I know for many people just trying to understand how long do I need to hold out in this time of unknowing? Um, how do I how do I understand resurrection and myself and my family and the church uh, when I can't even plan for a family dinner with another family? Um, when things become that complicated, I realize that I'm not a very good vine grower. <laughs> At least I like to think that God has a greater vision than I would ever have of what the next seasons will bear. And that perhaps if um if I'm willing to listen, perhaps God will give a greater vision or at least a piece of that vision enough that I can um, offer leadership as in my congregation, as the minister of word and sacrament, as a teaching elder um, who often gets turned to for answers. And I just look at them and say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know when we can do this. I don't know if that's going to work. Um, And yet that's supposedly that I don't know. And that, um, confusing space and that space of, of pruning that wilderness space is like God's specialty. And I try to remember that, uh, this doesn't throw God for a loop. It just throws you for a loop, Christine. Right. Right. And I think in a lot of ways, that's exactly what the scripture is trying to point to, right? Like it feels like if, but, but over and over again, there's this repetitive, like, but abide in me, trust me, believe me, know that I'm like, we're going to gather the branches. It's going to be okay. Abide in me. We're going to burn them away, but abide in me. Find your, you know, seek the joy, find the love. There's all these like loving, compassionate languages that are like being like overly used in a lot. I mean, this is John flowery language too, but like, overly, like, like someone trying to, to deliver the news in a way that like, we have to let some things go, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Like, it, 
Right. And, and like what you said, right, we don't, we humans don't know what the next season is. And I'm with you. I, I, I like to believe that at least God is working towards a, a, a process of knowing, right. Or, or like um, helping me unbecome what I am now mm-hmm. in order that I become um, something better in the future, you know, but, but the process of unbecoming is is not it's not fun fun. (laughs) um and so I think there's that part too but it but there's just this like repetitive like loving friendship joy fruit like these like beautiful rich images that help draw us and 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 also into community with other things right Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. abide in me you are my friends these things are plural mm-hmm. right? y'all abide in me <laughs> y'all abide in me right y'all y'all do it so like we all got to do it um yeah. like it, it points also to the process of needing community through the shift you know mm-hmm. needing ne- needing to be gathered together even if it's the parts of ourselves that that we don't don't like Mm. this has really helped me because I've been kind of looking for what does growth look like Mm. in this season when there are limits on certain things or uh or when I feel like there are limits on what I would feel safe doing and so this idea that growth also looks like loss or um certain things stopping and certain things growing anew or choose, you know, choosing where we put our energy because the truth of why you prune something is because it's draining the energy away from being able to grow. So to let it die, it helps us have that energy to live. So, and you know, that's actually the kind of the point of pruning in a way is is to is so that the energy of the plant goes into those things that are healthier yeah and that's uh i think that's a great message for anyone who's in a church right now um who has to give up some of the things that were core identifying actions or 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 you know things you'd put on the front of the website or things you would want to put in the newspaper we're a church that does this Oh, except for a pandemic. Um, But ultimately what we've had to ask, whether we were doing it willfully or or, or kicking and screaming is we had to ask, uh, what is God pruning right now to help us to weather through this this time? And is this, not to get too philosophical, but is this our winter that it's okay to allow the roots to have all of the activity because, uh, because it is negative 40 outside and a blizzard and ain't nothing growing right now and may not for the next six months, but, um, but there's life that is yet to come and don't shortchange those roots because um, as I've discovered as a gardener, uh, those darn rabbits will bite things down to the ground or even like down below the ground level. And you're like, how on earth can these roots live? Uh, And yet they've come back. And it is a mystery to me as somebody who 
actually knows very little about <laughs> growing things, but sees it um, and can simply marvel in the wonder of it for lack of a better explanation. Um, I look forward to that resurrection, but this might be our Holy Saturday. Mm. Is this our Holy Saturday? And Jesus, who Jesus seems to be talking to his disciples as if it's already Holy Saturday when he's talking about abide and love. And here's, here is my commandment. Uh, what is greater than someone laying down their life for you? Rose, take it up. You, you know what I'm preaching? I do. I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm sending you all my energy. Like you, your, words are, your words are sufficient. I'm just over here jamming in your sermon. You're just jamming. I feel like that's the nugget to end on that. Uh, Holy Saturday. We could preach forever. Huh? Yeah. I said we could preach forever. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, so, that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, that, that Holy Saturday holds its purpose and a Sabbath. Um, but Easter's coming. But Easter's coming. All y'all ready? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both because I, I feel much more joyful now. My joy is being made complete. Oh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> so I'm so thankful for you all coming to my house here on the Zoom, my little Zoom room. And for all of you listeners, we're so grateful that you came to our house and joined us today at the Sycamore Tree. So we'll see you next time. Or you can find out more about St. Luke and Catch us on Sundays at 11 a.m. And uh, you can catch uh, Christine on Facebook, too. And there's, uh, I think Rose's space right now is that, you know, the, the little video thing, the, the the clock thing. What do you call that? TikTok? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was my joke. Y'all are so old. Y'all are so, okay, we're all old.